All right, say it with me. Half-sickle forward, quarter-sickle back, dragon punch, adoken, sonic boom, yada yada, you know how it goes. That being said, get ready for the next battle. The winds fan the flame of a warrior's heart. It's fighting games on the music archive. Jewel 25, let's rock. Hello everyone, welcome to Music Arcade, I'm Gala the Sound Guy Firestone. I'm Ronaco. And I am Eddie, and I can confirm as a Brazilian that I am a really big green hairy beast that projects electricity at, at others. Oh no wonder yeah, you have so many technical difficulties. That explains so much. <laughs> yeah, th there, there's a reason we don't do this with, with uh, webcams. <laughs> yeah, besides you don't want to accidentally charge for too long and blank a ball into the screen. Uh, well, if you guys haven't figured it out right now, we're doing fighting games! Um, so, look behind the curtain. I don't actually play that many fighting games, but I do have kind of a, like, back-of-my-head deep respect for the genre. Um, I do play them on occasion. I like them. You guys have a lot more experience than I do, though, by the sounds of it. I think Rana has more experience than I do because I always have anxiety with going to uh, uh, letters for whatever reason. Well, oh, back in I... my days, we didn't have no letters. We have a local Tony scene and we liked it. Oh, back in my day, we didn't even have that. We had an actual stand-up arcade where someone would put a quarter next to you and be like, I'm ready if they want to challenge you. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah, well, that's if the we, stuff. If we want to go that far, back in my, in my day, we had an arcade, but no one played on a damn thing. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, Honestly, the, the arcade nearest to me is still active, but doesn't have any fighting games. It's mostly racing. Yeah, um, fun fact, back when I was, like, a kid, like, nine or ten years old, there was a 7-Eleven near me that had a Street Fighter machine and a Mortal Kombat machine, and I would be there, Ooh. like, as often as I possibly could as a nine or ten-year-old pumping quarters into these machines. Sweet. So I'm um rather used to uh <laughs> I'm I'm rather used to the olden arcade days. Uh there was also a burger joint that had a Street Fighter machine that actually I still like eat at because they have really good uh really good patty melts. So this is not relevant, but they no longer have the arcade machine. It makes me less happy with them. God, yeah. I remember those days where you'd have like the Pizza Hut with the Samurai Showdown machine in it. Oh god, I remember that now. I, I'd forgotten about that until oh. I started bringing this topic up. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Uh, I, I can't say I ever got close to experiencing that. I think that's more common in the US and Japan. It's more common in yeah. the US 20 years ago. It's definitely not a thing now. Yeah. And nowadays, uh, online play is much of a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. Streaming is much of a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And... All companies, except one, Cough Cough Bandai Namco, is getting some good netcodes in their games. So playing <sighs> online has never been so fun. Yeah, even Street Fighter's managed to figure it out. I remember Street Fighter 4, I remember reading a lot of complaints about that. Yeah, that's basically you, you because instead of taking something publicly available and free to use, they wanted to develop their own thing so they could sell it to others afterwards. 
how that work out for it was kind of funny because uh, Arxis they had a terrible netcode for uh, Guilty Gear Xard. They continued to use it for uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, and then all of a sudden, no one said anything. Well, everyone had been complaining for months, but no one had said anything special at the moment. Suddenly they went, okay, we're testing this with uh, Guilty Gear X, the old game that no one plays very much anymore. Everyone wait, went, uh, wait, wait a minute, what you're doing with, oh my god. And suddenly that game had a, like, a spike of thousands of users on Steam because they were Correction. doing a better testing. Correction. For Dragon Ball Fighters, it is developed by Arc System Games, but it is published by Bandai Namco. Which is why my original complaint still stands for this one. It does. And that hurts me because my favorite series is from them. But let's get in a bit too much into the weeds before we've even talked about a single music. Right? What happened here? We're talking about netcode. I'm not smart enough to handle this conversation. I live in a small town that has 2,300 inhabitants. I need good internet stuff to be able to play consistently. Someone call Maximilian Dude to continue the conversation about netcode. Yeah, I mean, it's just one company. How hard can it be to pressure them? I'm, 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 we need to talk about music now. Yes, let's music. So, uh, one of the main driving force for the, the theme of this episode is the impending release of King of Fighters 15. So... I wanted to open with a track that both comes from King of Fighters 14 and also is uh, very, very metal to bridge to last episode, which I wasn't attending. Yeah, but so, that does kind of bring up a point. Like, fighting games often have a very rockin' soundtrack to get you hyped and into it. Very much like Dynasty Warriors, which we discussed um, last week as well. Yeah, exactly. It's short in burst, it's a fight, it's perfect for that genre. Yeah. Heavy metal does often go really well together with the idea of punching someone in the face. Very not... true, very true. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Um... Yeah, you know what? We were talking last week about renting games for Blockbuster. You know what game I rented from Blockbuster a lot? Fatal Fury 2. No. You know who I remember from that game? These um, two guys. Rana, take yeah. it away. Uh, so, uh, Story Source for Geese 14 version is uh, specifically the fight that happens only when you're using Terry Bogard and fighting Geese Howard. Mm -hmm. Or when you're Geese Howard and fighting Terry Bogard. Because these two come from Fatal Fury and have a bit of a history, so much so that in the Fatal Fury continuity, Geese is technically dead, but it's a different continuity than in the King of Fighters series. Which means they can still punch each other to that kind of track. And, and that... people say Nintendo has weird timelines. <laughs> and the deepest lore. Uh, but yeah, that really brings uh, that rivalry to a boiling point, and it's really intense. And although it is specifically uh, in the game's context about these two characters fighting, it's mostly Giz's theme, due to his nature as an old boss. 
right. if you're the boss, you're the one the others come to. And uh, coming to him just works very well, given that he has not only a personal presence, but a whole atmosphere, what with him being an overly rich, somewhat cruel weeb with uh, enough power to not be told he is one. <laughs> yeah, that and, is uh, that is the ultimate power right there, to just not give a crap. Exactly. Sure, I will have a dojo without safety railings on the 71st floor of my building in Southtown. Why not? Yeah, exactly. How else are you going to throw off uh, someone out of it? Oh, wait. Whoops. What anyway, that's so how... wrong. Spoiler, that's how Giz dies in Fatal Fury. Uh, and there's this intensity to it, this boss nature, there's this high speed. Uh, the guitar goes very hard on this one. It's the kind it of does. tracks you can add some growls and it would work just as fine. This yeah. This track alone is almost harder, goes almost harder than half our previous episode. It really does. I really like this track. I was I was very pleasantly surprised by this one. It's it's got a great intro, some solid riffs, cool melody line, like just it all just works. Yeah. And the original uh was uh not going as hard because of the limitations of the instruments available at the time. Well the electronic instruments available at the time. But for the era Basically, the Neo Geo was a technical showcase, and sound was part of it. And one of the way they did that kind of showcase is by having tracks like this one, which just send everything they have. Yeah, um... Send everything they have is what they did, and it worked. And now... When I say all of this, I may sound more of a KOF fan than I really am. Uh, I discovered this track comparatively recently. I discovered it uh, actually because of the Tekken 7 remix in which Geese was a guest character. And it goes pretty hard in that version too, although with more of an electronic slant due to Tekken 7's uh, general music identity. Uh, but then I heard this version and I was like, oh, this goes slightly harder and in a slightly more cohesive fashion. True, I'll pick this version instead. Makes sense. No, it's it's a very cohesive song. I don't really remember much of the music from all of my Fatal Fury 2 rental days. Um, I remember a lot of the characters, though. Um, more than I remember a lot of other fighting games characters, I gotta say. So that one really did stick in my mind. That's sweet. Um, in fact, uh, Rana, we're going to go kind of back to King of Fighters. You showed off a couple of DLCs for King of Fighters on my Discord not too long ago, and I'm like, wait, Billy Kane, that's the that's the British guy with the stick. I remember him. I liked him. He was one of the, he was basically the Balrog of that game. Like, he was the post. Yeah, exactly. um, Yeah. And he still is, because he's basically uh, callous, cruel, but incredibly loyal to Giz. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more like his position, like as a in the fighting. Like once you got through the regular characters, he was yeah, the exactly. first like post game character you would 
like boss character you would fight towards the end. Yeah, in that sense as well. Um, and and unlike Street Fighter, you could actually just unlock him after you did that. So, yeah. Um, I I also played as him quite a bit, and so yeah. Um, I don't remember much of the music from this game, unfortunately. And I kind of wish I did because if it was always at least this like engagingly written, if not necessarily mixed, because you know Super Famicom slash Neo Geo slash OG synths, um, I feel like I might have been missing out and really kind of underselling this one. The original composer for this one being apparently Toshio Shimizu. Why do I know that name? That name is that name is triggering something in my brain. Toshio Shimizu. Toshio Shimizu. That I, doesn't ring a bell for me, I'm afraid. It does for me, and I don't know why. I would like to still bring attention to the fact that this track is named Soy Sauce for Gaze. Because fighting games are silly, and sometimes you can just name a track after a condiment because your character is named Gaze. Also in the line of things you wouldn't say to his face. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, winged creatures, take it away, Eddie. Winged creatures. Uh, well, we're gonna talk about a game that we we don't mention very often. I, I think it's been a few episodes since we last talked about it. Uh, it's called uh, it's this this indie title called Guilty Gear. You you guys might have heard. I of mean, it. technically, it was indie at the time. Well, this is actually. I think by coincidence, it's actually the same game as the 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 same entry as the one we've mentioned in the previous episode. <laughs> but uh, this time, it's not uh, Kai Kiski's theme; it's Dizzy's theme, called "All of She." And uh, on our playlist, we have a uh, an arrangement of it from a an album called Guilty Gear X Heavy Rock Tracks. Uh, yeah, just in case you you need more heavy rock versions of Guilty Gear track. Yeah, the the original isn't heavy enough, so you know. Uh, but yeah, this is as always. It's mainly by Daisuke Shuatari with uh, Koichi Sayama also doing arrangements. Uh, I really love this track. I'm not very fond of the intro. I think uh, there's this uh, sort of uh, synth uh, synthetic. Uh, Chorus, uh, yeah. choir, actually, intro. I think it might have been added for this arrangement. I don't really like it. I like when it goes directly into the the, the punchy aspect of the track. Which but, uh, kind of has to do in-game because of the shorter length of the introduction. And I've got to be honest, Eddie, um, you say you don't like this intro, but every time I've started playing this song, I've been like, this is an Eddie pick, isn't it? <laughs> so, I'm a little surprised Ironic. you don't actually like it, because this is very on-brand for you. Insert Palpatine, ironic, isn't it, meme here. <laughs> a little bit. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it is the kind of sound that I enjoy, though there are two, uh, two things that I'm not really fond of. First is uh, the uh, sample they use. I don't really like that sample of a uh, synthetic choir. I'm not really fond of that one. But mainly, it really breaks the heaviness of the song. Like, the song is really 
really fast paced. It kind of sounds like uh, some really cool symphonic metal, maybe some power metal if we could, if you want to throw that. Yeah, uh, the, the kind of uh, song you'd hear when you're fight, when you're sword fighting with energy beams, uh, half angel, half demon gear, with scantily clad belts as clothing. Uh, and you forgot to mention that this half angel, half demon has wings that can actually turn into the shape of an angel and a demon. Oh, that uh, was the because, half I was referring to, really. Yeah, be- because Guilty Gear stuff. Yes. I, and, and here I thought the game I picked was fan service Please keep going. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah you, you, you should get into Guilty Gear one day. Uh, but yeah, this track... It's it's I mean, fun. It's good it's, stuff. It's very over the very over the over the top. Oof, my 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 teeth put back in. Uh, but it's it's really fun. Uh, and it had some very absurd things that you just you just laugh at as you play, unless you're a competitive player. It has a character called Faust, uh, whose original name was actually Doctor Baldhead. Yeah. Doc. Dr. Baldhead is supposed to be his name as a human before he went insane. False is his name from after he went insane. And he has abilities like dropping into the fight with uh, an umbrella like Mary Poppins. He opens portals by open, uh, creating and opening doors out of nowhere. Also, he's a three foot tall spindly man with a paperback on his head that fights with a giant scalpel. And he can swim in the air. That's his he, air dash. He basically walks by cartoon logic. I need. I. I've He's, not had enough coffee for this conversation. <laughs> He's like a a Tex Avery cartoon character put into a Japanese fighting game. But that's not the character we're talking about here. No, this let's is get dizzy. back to the song, yeah. the like not quite gothic heavy metal song that's totally an Eddie pick. It is. It is totally a, a me pick, even without that intro. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. and and I love it. I, <clears throat> I love it. it. It really fits the character because the character. I think it's, if I recall correctly, it's been a, a while since I last played it. But if I recall correctly, he uh, she actually floats re- rather than standing uh, on the ground. So it has that sort of uh, divine vibe to it, which okay. the the yeah. track has with the. Uh, Harpsichord, the synthetic harpsichord, uh, and I think it, it has a really cool meshing of the uh, symphonic, let's say, with the the metal, even if the symphonic isn't uh, actual physical instruments. Yeah, that's good. That's an array, an array real character, which has this heavy part and this light part, clashing aspects of light and darkness. Korean evil. That describes the character to a T. Plus it's metal because Daisuke is Ishwatari. Yes. Yeah. And this it is a guilty gear character. And again, if, if last episode wasn't very, very clear, we are like a bunch of metalheads around here, so I'm I'm good with well-composed metal. I do like it a lot. So, yeah, this song is a winner, in fact. Um... A winner is you. Uh, you know what hasn't really been a winner in fighting game circuits? Dead or alive. And there's a whole lot of reasons for this. 
Uh, yes. For one thing, this franchise has a real identity crisis. Um, I just want to point out that you talked about the, the, the other character being uh, fanservice-y. Here we are. Yeah, that was kind of my point. Because this yeah, game, like, you kind of hit on the main problem. This game doesn't really know whether it wants to be she kicks high or I'm a fighter. Um, yeah, this is, this is the franchise that has a... by the way, from parts of this history. Yes. This is the same franchise that has a beach volleyball uh, spin-off, Yes, isn't it? I was about to get to that. They make Sorry, hand just... over fist sailing swimsuits in Agatha right now. Yes. Um, on the other hand, like... This is a series that has kind of gone from all levels of serious to absolutely not serious fan service fighter, not even fighter, fan service volleyball, bouncy jiggle game. Um, and it's gone from all aspects of this. Um, now, for me, I actually started playing the series at Dead or Alive 2, and I was clearly playing it wrong since I named Bayman a dude. Yeah. Uh, and that was until DOA 5, at which point I, I switched over to Mila because I was at the time and still kind of am a big mixed martial arts fan. And she was a she was an MMA fighter. and I just like how she fought. Yeah, um, honestly, she was a big part of the way to convey the change of vibe for, OK, it's about the fighting now, which lasted about during the release period before they went to the DLC editions. Oh, no, they already, like, the second, like, I, I actually played an early uh, build of the game, and they already had the swimsuits in there. The fan service oh, is never not maybe. going to be part of, um, part of the franchise. Yeah, but there's a difference yeah, between being a part of it and being emphasized. Yes, and this game has a problem of figuring out where the line is. Uh, this franchise has always been all over the place, because, again, you have the, you have the, um... The hardcore fan service, well, hardcore, no, not, thankfully, but you have, like, the significant fan service extreme volleyball, but on the other hand, you actually have, like, the complete revitalization of Ninja Gaiden as a franchise, almost by accident, up to it including multiple characters from Ninja Gaiden and DOA crossing over with each other in 100% serious circumstances, and yeah. let's not forget that it was, that it was, I think, DOA Paradise that officially reintroduced Irene Liu from the original Nintendo games back into the franchise. Um, also, let's mention that the base systems of the game and the way the counters work in it, moving to different grapples that are very interactive and naively, is also very good. Yeah, it's very, it's a very unique, it, I've, I don't recall any other fighting game that plays like this. It really gets the tactical rock, paper, scissors in there. Um... So when I say this this game kind of has this franchise kind of has an identity crisis, I'm not kidding. I also say that I do very often like it unironically. It's probably to play my favorite fighting franchise. I will say I have never managed to pull off Ryu Hayabusa's spinning pile driver of death in any game that isn't a Dynasty Warriors one because man, those controls are a thing. But I've made a solid attempt, which is more than I can say for Zangief's spinning pile driver. <laughs> um, Quit some motions. One thing about Dead or Alive that I can very much appreciate is the fact that the music has basically always been, at the very least, good. Um, and the main character of the franchise is essentially Kasumi, uh, a ninja who, man, her story's complicated. Um, I'll spare the details, but there's a lot of, like, 
family drama, assassination, high melodrama, wouldn't be out of place in a wuxia film, kind of, like... Again, identity crisis. She's a gorgeous a Japanese redhead. fighting game. Yeah. A Japanese fighting game with weird uh, weird stories. Uh, Ranako, where did I hear that uh, <laughs> earlier today? Mm, nowhere? I, I swear, I swear there's a game like with the initials G and G, I guess, Guilty something. Yeah, I Dead or Alive isn't nearly that weird. I'm going to stop you right there. Like, it's, 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 it's actually like more down to earth than you'd think because most of it yeah. is like, yes, there's like weird supernatural elements and there's this whole thing about people trying to clone Kasumi for reasons. It's um, honestly one of the most grounded series. It really is. Along with uh, Tekken and Street Fighter. Yeah, a lot okay, of it is very much Fighter, politics actually. and interpersonal drama and yeah. like the story doesn't make sense for anything fan service at all. Uh, but then the game relies on the fan service, and I keep bringing this up because I'm one of these guys who kind of wants to take this franchise seriously because I enjoy how it plays and because the music is good and Kasumi's theme is great. Yeah. I'm more of a Helena's theme personally, but understandable it's very good as well. I, I will admit uh, that I picked this one because this particular song has a really great remix in Warriors Auto 3 Ultimate, and that's one... This is one of these cases where it kind of made me re-evaluate uh, the original a little bit, because again, I mained Bayman. I didn't even really consider Kasumi a great character until Warriors Orochi, where I had to reevaluate her. Um, yeah, and like, it can certainly, uh, you can see, it can certainly take a re-evaluation for these tracks or the one I mentioned, because it's very busy compositions, honestly. It's a very busy composition. There's a lot going on. And the Warriors version actually gets more busy because it adds a far more significant guitar riff. Um, this version is actually Warriors. kind of guitar light, especially compared to the first two uh, tracks we talked about. It's, you know, it's got a little bit of rhythm guitar in there, but for the most part, this is a flute-driven track, which makes sense for yeah, a Japanese it, character. Yeah, it, it really goes for that uh, drama aspect that you mentioned, which uh, kind mm -hmm. of fits Japanese theater and all that. It, it really doesn't... The guitar is there, but it, it, it isn't the, the focus. The focus no, is very it says much ninja. Uh, Japanese sounds. Yeah, which, again, makes sense. Ninja. Exactly. <clears throat> um, ninja, in a team, even. <laughs> Did Team Ninja actually work on this, or were they just, or were they just uh, um, Ninja Gaiden? Uh, I mean, they could have worked on it in theory. Hey! Uh, Rana. Anyway, um, that's it for the what? Is it a, the second pun of the day? Just the second? I, I, I think we're a few more in than that. He's just gotten good at hiding them, or we've gotten good at ignoring them. And that's the same with my uh, low sweeps during a fight. I fight like a pun. Nice. Um, no, I like, uh, I really like this melody line. And again, it wasn't until the mook murder aspect of her happened. And let me tell you, Warriors Orochi played her 100% straight. Like, like they actually yeah. did play into the fan service a little bit with her sister Ayane, not Kasumi. Kasumi got the straight drama treatment in Warriors Orochi, and man, it was good. 
I even remember the stage was awesome. Oh, the stage was so good. And it was playing this music, uh, the remix of it, which was more guitar driven, but still had the flute lead. Um, so, yeah, I will admit I'm cheating slightly on this one, but I'm not cheating for any reasons of like, I'm kind of shy. I'm trying to kind of shine a light on what DOA does right. And when it's not leaning into fan service, how good it could actually be. Unfortunately, between both the fans and the developers, that's not the version they want. And that makes me a little sad. Because Dead or Alive does things only Dead or Alive does. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately leads to a circumstance where, when, for the first time ever, Kasumi actually dresses like a ninja in Dead or Alive 6, um, people complained because she didn't look as hot, which I think is stupid, but, you know, they're dumb. Yes. It is very stupid. It was an incredibly Kazumi outfit. And it, yeah. it was still hot in its way. It was, right? Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to get That's the dumbest this, part of it. <laughs> yeah, how thirsty is this fandom? And it just bothers me because there's so much to enjoy here on the merits. If only you could uh, 1v1 one uh, from, from their internet comments. Ugh, that'd be... If I could actually, like, put schmucks like that in their place, I would actually make a serious attempt to uh, learn how to play a lot better than I have. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You like... two, please add a add to match button to each comment. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just have to be it, honest it... here. I, I think the song is really good. I think it's very endemic of what the series is actually good at when it tries to be good. I think that DOA 5 had a really good, dark, twisty, borderline soap opera, yeah, story that really just worked. I didn't play 6, unfortunately. I'm tempted to, but I didn't get into it. I remember there were some problems with the PC version. I don't remember what those were off the top of my head. Me neither. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I feel kind of guilty for defending this series hey. as much as I do. Uh, yeah, See, ha, ha, you're ha, doing puns too. <laughs> I wasn't putting there. I'm I'm trying to be serious here I for know, a minute. I know. Um and I feel like I'm kind of leaning into like I try not to be the fan service guy, and here I am talking about an extremely fan servicey game that's good when having nothing to do with fan service. So, like again, when when Dead or Alive tries, its character designs are really on point. But that's the problem is that half of the team really wants to try really hard and helped revitalize Ninja Gaiden, creating the Ninja Gaiden trilogy, which I still need to replay now that that's on Steam. Um, a bunch of Dynasty Warriors crossovers that fit shockingly well. And then the other half of the team wants Jiggly Volleyball and, and, and Ski uh, Jet Ski game. And annoyingly, right now, they're the ones making the money. Unfortunately, which also shows where this game's fandom is at. Um, say right now, I don't think that's going away anytime soon, sadly. Whatever, I'm done talking about oh, this. this. This this went way off the rails. Alright, then let's get back on the rails with I'm Back to Rise. Well, so... you want to talk off the rails. This is not something I thought Mick Gordon would do. I love oh, it, ooh. but this is weird. Yeah. Uh, that... Even more than the themes we've mentioned before, is a character theme in big bold letters. The tone, the pace, that's some hardcore gym fuels right there. 
and I actually use this as that. It's in my workout playlist, even though I haven't opened it in a while. <coughs> anyway, uh, that really gives the feel of a training montage all throughout. And then uh, you pay attention to the lyrics, and that's more or less what it's about. Uh, it states not only the general feel of the character, TJ Combo from Killer Instinct, uh, but also where he's at at this point of the story on the uh, KI from 2015, I want to say. Around there. The one on Xbox. Uh, where he is uh, starting from his old boxing glory days to the time in KA2 where he got bionic arms to become essentially an ultratech advertising scheme <laughs> before this point where he returned to having fleshy arms and training the hard way and just being thirsty for a big old win to prove himself mostly for himself. And that kind of struggle, that kind of hustle to get back to a certain level is something that speaks on a meta level as well. Uh, and then of course we have the implementation in-game, which is notable because that's Killer Instinct. And it's not just there's a theme and it goes a bit different when you're at low life or in the last round, so things are hitting up. We have song phrases that alternate depending on who's in the lead, how good your combos are, if you use your shadow resources, if you're getting combo breakers in. It's... So as a result, the song in this version that's on Mick Gordon's channel both is and isn't in the game. Okay. Yeah, um, unfortunately I can't comment on the mixing because I've never played this version of Killer Instinct. I did play the Super Nintendo version quite a bit. Again, I was really into this genre as a kid. Unfortunately, I have not been into it as much. Um, Spoiler alert, we will talk about the Super Nintendo version in a bit. We will, and I can't wait. Anyway, uh, I wasn't the one to pick that either, so thank you guys for giving me this blast from my past. Um, the thing that gets me is that um, this song is actually like new metal, and I'm I don't hate new metal as a lot of metalheads do. Like I'm not really like into it, but I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't jamming out at the Summer Sanitarium tour in 1999, where you had Metallica, Korn, Kid Rock, Power Man 5000, and System of a Down. We were all young. We were all young, and I still look at that concert as one of my first like huge concerts, and. Yeah, I don't hate Korn. I don't really listen to them anymore. They're not my style, but I'm not like I didn't turn against them like a lot of kids did after the 2000s ended. I even remember being a, a youngun and listening to Limp Biscuit, unironically. Same. I'll admit it. I had bad taste back then. They are bad. And they they are actually bad. There, there's like one or two songs of theirs I still kind of jam with, but for the most part, yeah, they were really overrated. And Fred Durst is a weak MC, but. So yeah, anyway, this song. This song is definitely more of a, uh, definitely more of that new metal vibe. I really like this featured rapper though. This guy's good. Who is this Omega dude? Omega Sparks. Uh, I don't know much of his other works, uh, but I do know how Mick Gordon recruited him thanks to a string of uh, uh, Killer Instinct making of documentaries. And 
basically while uh, needing to compose the theme he uh, was searching for someone to uh, uh, sing the track and didn't have any idea and eventually he was uh, watching a tournament uh, which had Omega Sparks performing some tracks uh, uh, either between the rounds or at the end of the finals and was like, yep, that's the kind of guy I want and that's the kind of story I want because his track was also about a mold of the meta level of training and fighting and trying to prevail. So he felt that there was an understanding that would make that track feel real. And I'd say he landed pretty good. I yeah, I I think that was a that is a very cool story, and honestly, I think that's a uh, I think that's actually like you know that's a good point. Like he recruit that's the best way to recruit. Like you already know the guy's into the genre, and you already know the guy is like available for it and has the sound you want. Yeah. Like no, that's actually awesome. I love every part of that. Um, and he is. Very good. I I I'm not much of a hip hop fan, but I might actually try to track this dude down because this is this is good stuff. Omega Sparks with an X. Yeah, because of course. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I um, was listening to the I was listening to the track earlier, and uh, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it because it's basically a mixture of two genres that I don't usually enjoy, which are new metal, and I would say it has elements of um, Christ, I'm blacking on the term now. I had it on the tip of my tongue earlier. Skrillex, what, what's his genre? Dubstep. Dubstep. Yeah. I'll retake that. I, I was surprised with how much I enjoyed it because it, it sounds kind of like a mixture of two uh, genres I don't enjoy very much. Uh, one of them being New Metal, which Galen mentioned, and the other. I would say it has elements of dubstep, uh, and they actually work together really well in this track, um, and it's really, really fun and really energetic. Yeah, which makes sense because you have uh, the fighting games in general and uh, Killer Instinct general feel of something that's metal because of all the fighting, but you also have the street level of some hip-hop, and then you also have the futuristic level because of uh, Ultratech and uh, the setting as a whole which introduces more electronic elements as well and it's very well thought out overall yeah i um i think i think it's also the second time in our podcast that we've brought up mick gordon uh, with a track that wasn't uh gent and most people just know him from uh his gent tracks from uh doom yeah, he's. I think, I think we're showing that he has a, a very higher, uh, a very uh, broader set of skills. He's got range. He does. Uh, more than I think I gave him credit for. Um, Speaking of things that are outside of the expected range, take it oh away boy. for Gohan's theme. Oh, yeah. So, fighting games, huh? Who, who wants. Uh, a classical uh, nocturne piano piece as your character's theme. Yeah, this one threw me off. I, I actually, when I heard this one, flat out asked if you grabbed the right YouTube video. 
Yeah, uh, for those in, in the audience, uh, this is Gohan's theme from a Super Nintendo game called uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Butoden 2. I believe it had a limited release in France, but outside of that, it had no release in the West. And uh, the track in our playlist comes from uh, an arrangement album. Uh, the composer is the same one as the arranger, Kenji Yamamoto. Uh, he has a bad reputation for, uh, let's say, copying from a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But this track, I think this one is original, even though uh, we were talking uh, earlier, it sounds a lot like uh, something Chopin would uh, compose. But, yeah, uh, it, but it's uh, fine to have inspirations. Yeah. And we were talking about how, uh, how Mick Gordon's track earlier was, was a very character theme. I think this one is also a very character theme because uh, this is uh, this game set for those in the audience who are either very into Dragon Ball Z or very into anime. This is from the Cell Saga, and this uh, this version of Gohan of Gohan is the version that fights Cell at the end of the saga. So he has that very strong, uh, tranquil fury to his to his personality. Yeah, that's which really fits this track. That's interesting because the kind of themes that would break from the norm would usually be a bus theme. And I think the way this arrangement goes essentially says that at this point, it's not Cell that is the boss for Gohan to fight. It's Gohan that's the boss for Cell to fight. A little bit. That, fit, that fits with the plot of the anime, actually, to the point that... Uh... Uh, Goku dies because Gohan is being too, sort of, uh, he's taking too much pleasure in making himself feel pain. Cool. Anime, am I right? Sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> man, I don't know. Thank God Dragon Ball wasn't one of the animes picked up by four kids. Uh, wait. Hang on, I think Four Kids did do the original dub. Uh, there was Ocean dub, and then there was the, uh, the current is dub. Canada, and then there was one after that that I think was Four Kids, and then there's the current. Well, thank God that it isn't the one that got popular. Fair enough. The ones popular are the current and the Ocean dub, I think. Um, but uh, going back to the track. Um, this game has some very varied, um, weird sentence structure, but let's go with that. Very varied uh, soundtrack. Uh, you get stuff inspired by jazz for some characters. Uh, there's some very electronic stuff for others. Uh, I would say, ignoring the history that Kenji Yamamoto has, particularly with the uh, PlayStation 2 era games, uh, Dragon Ball Z games. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with this game in particular, he really tries to go for the characters, either their personality or their identity or what they're going through in that, uh, in that uh, particular point in time. Uh, another, another example that I was considering bringing up was Vegeta's track, which uh, in the arranged album uh, has this bit where they're where there's just a voice in the background going, uh, let's go, and then there's a guitar riff. And uh, 
And Vegeta, at this point in time, has that personality where he's very sure of himself. He's very cocky. And right. So that, that little bit of let's go and then a guitar riff that is very catchy, it really fits that identity as well. Uh, but Gohan's theme, I think it's, it's the, at least to me, the biggest example of uh, a character theme in a fighting game that really is made for that character. It wouldn't have fit anyone else. That and another aspect to it, I believe, is due to the period where this game released. Where, while Street Fighter 2 wasn't uh, the first fighting game by far, it still was a pretty recent addition that established the genre as the juggernaut it uh, eventually became. And so I think the recency of that means that uh, there was a fair bit of experimentation at the time to see what works in a game like that and what doesn't. Right. Which is interesting. Give me just a second, I'll double check the release date. Please do. Yeah, this came almost uh, almost three years after Street Fighter 2. Development cycles along. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would say that at the time, uh, game development didn't evolve as quickly as today, so it's being released three years after Street Fighter 2. Uh, means it didn't. They weren't catching up yet to the new, the new hotness. Let's say in the market, and this yeah, game and doesn't besides, really do combos like Street Fighter does. Yeah, and it's it's thing, it's an anime adaptation as well, so it's got some truly unique circumstances, and I'm glad it can be heard musically as well. And I'm, I'm happy that a piano piece managed to fit into a fighting game as someone who's very much into the piano. So we've talked about like some of the classics, but we should probably talk about like the classic. Like we've danced around this for a while now, but guys, Street Fighter Two. Uh, actually, we call that footsies. Do we now? I don't think we do. Yeah. Okay, I do, and most of the fighting game community do. Don't worry about it. It means spacing. Oh, okay, cool, fine. I. Mm. <laughs> I'm out of coffee. Darn it. Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2. Um, to this day, my favorite Yokoshima Mora soundtrack. You know how much I gush about her, like, constantly, but, like, man. We haven't noticed. Yeah, right? This, we... this music is iconic. It's just... Having done so much work so far back is just incredible. Really is. She has had, like, probably the most consistently awesome career of any composer. I don't think I've ever heard her turn in a bad song. Like, we talked about shelf life for fighting games. That's f shelf life for fighting games and a half. Yeah, that's what, 30 and years now that's, that game is still going? And I'm not just talking about the influence and the derivatives. I uh, went to some convention floor like four or five years ago with a friend, and there was just 
in this remote corner the CRT with two pads on Street Fighter 2 and we were like, yeah, let's do it, let's go! Right? I, I feel like fun. an actual remake of Street Fighter 2 came out on like the Switch or the Wii U or something not too long ago. Uh, it came on Steam as well, I think. And maybe on the PlayStation Family Systems. But yes, there was a Street Fighter 2 HD. Yeah. Time. Like, they're still redoing Street Fighter 2. Um, and the music kind of plays into that. And Shimamura did all of the original 12 tracks except Sagat. Someone else did Sagat, but she did everything else. I still don't know if she did the New Warriors, if she did Kami and DJ and all of them. Kami sounds like her, so I'm kind of thinking she did, but I don't have confirmation on that one way or the other. Um, the fact that this soundtrack has lasted this long and has been this, like, absolutely unassailable says an awful lot about everything and everyone. Like, man, how good do you have to be to be this level of genre leader? I mean, she basically established what a fighting game soundtrack should be. Right. Um, and that's kind of carried through for approximately eternity. Like, yeah. last week we no. were talking about, or last episode we were talking about genre leaders and how Dynasty Warriors kind of defined hack and slash music essentially throughout everything. Um, this is a very similar situation for yeah. fighting games. Like, like, not a lot of fighting games go against the idea that a character has a stage which has a music. Yep. And they all do what Come on, package. Yeah. I mean, not just that, but the, the track we're talking about, which is against theme, it, it, it's very hard rock-ish, even though they didn't have actual instruments in the Super Nintendo era. No, and but I don't you think... get the picture. Yeah, you do. And uh, I don't think we would have heard so much hard rock uh, in, in fighting games if the biggest uh, trendsetter in the in the genre hadn't done it, we probably would have a lot of it because, as we mentioned before, heavy metal goes well with punching people in the face. Yeah, it just sort but, of works. Uh, I don't think it would have been so ubiquitous if it wasn't just pretty much the main uh vibe that Street Fighter Two had, especially with even the most though, iconic themes. Even though other stages have other vibes as well. Yeah, but as much as I like uh, the heavy industrial theme of Zangief's theme, for instance, my heart still goes to game themes first. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I will admit my favorite version of Zangief's theme is actually very jazzy uh, from Street Fighter Four. So, like, Ooh. that would actually have me dancing in my chair. Um, <laughs> I tell that story a lot, and I'm pretty sure I've used that exact song on the show before. Uh. That said, yeah, we are talking about Ken here. And remember how I said that this soundtrack may be my favorite Shimamura soundtrack? This is definitely my favorite of her songs. God, I love this song so much. It just starts hard and just keeps going, but it's so yeah. melodically driven. Like, the guitar is at the center stage more than most guitar tracks. Yeah. And I keep using that word today, but I will use it again. It's very energetic. It is. Especially for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Capcom was really good at that. Between that and Mega Man X, like, they knew how to bring the energy in the Super Famicom, Super Nintendo era. Like, they knew the right pads to use and the right mixing to use to really do things that no one else kind of could. Um, and, you know, even to this day, like, there's one arcade on the Santa Monica Pier that every time I'm down there, I try to go to. And I will go to the one like championship edition machine they have, and I will I will play for a little bit. I will I will pump some quarters in there just for fun. Although now they're on an actual card thing and not quarters, which makes me a little sad. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not the same. Um There's also the aspect that uh this is Ken's theme and then there's Ryu and they're two very similar characters, so the differences between them matters matter all the more. And the music is kind of a reflection of that. They yeah. are both themes that imply some aspect of struggle, of triumphing from uh, adversity, of beating the odds. But whereas Ryu does it more in a serene, controlled, or combative way, Ken does it seemingly by sheer grit and persistence and determination. Yeah, I was about to actually make a very similar comment. I was thinking that Ken's theme is very, or sorry, Ryu's theme is very much dramatic and serious, whereas yes. uh, Ken's is a lot more, like, free and kind of loose. Exactly. Um, and it's hard to just state how iconic, it just not even iconic, just how influential this song is to me as a listener. Like, even back then, like, I know everyone memes on Guile's theme, and that is truly an excellent piece of music. But this is always the song that's stuck in my head as, like, this is the quintessential fighter right here. You hear this, you are ready to go. So that's always been kind of the yardstick to which I compare absolutely everything in this genre to, on some level or another. Like, if not compositionally, then at the very least vibe-wise, does it carry the vibe? That's high praise right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Street Fighter 2. Like, it, it, it's putting it almost mildly to call it one of the most influential and highly regarded video games of all time. Yeah. Um, it's not hyperbole. No, no, it isn't. So, what about this song in particular? I don't know. What not about it? It just—it's just a great piece of music. I mean, the whole soundtrack is great, but this one is really just like—you get it. Other in your tracks bones. do some things better. This track just rocks the hardest. It does. Um, it that's does. The end of it. And it's, not like, and it's not like Street Fighter isn't an incredibly diverse soundtrack. Like, let's be honest here. Like, yeah, you have the rock tracks, you have, like, then modern, like, then modern, like, EDM for Balrog. You have, like, the big sweeping thing for M. Bison. You have, like, you have the almost flamenco track from Vegas theme, which she yeah. then remixed herself for Smash. And, man, does that what sound incredible. Name? It's incredible. I, I almost picked that one, but I have another Smash song later that I'm going to be talking about, so I, I decided against yeah. it. When in doubt, just go with the classic, and that's Ken's theme. And Ken's theme is truly one of the greatest video game tracks of all time. Maybe not compositionally, but just in terms of what it is, what it represents, what it means, and how it influenced what came after. Um, 
in a very direct way, what came after it is Street Fighter 3. Well, there was Alpha first, but... Uh, there was also like 18 no iterations of 2 first. Let's just be clear. I, yes. was about, I was about to say we're forgetting about Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Yeah, and even Street Fighter 3, there were three of them, which is why the most popular one at this point is called First Strike. It was Street Fighter 3 3. Um, uh, this is the God only Street Fighter I outright on. missed. I, I don't think I played a single moment of any of the threes, except one time at an arcade briefly in, not even a real arcade, just a stand-up machine at a, a game store I used to hang out in. I haven't played three either. Okay. I haven't either, but I am not really a Street Fighter follower, so... Whoops. But uh, having listened to it some more, it definitely decided to go for a very different tone to try to reestablish itself in uh, some new aspect, which is part of why it has so many characters that weren't in the previous one, yep. and so many of the Street Fighter 2 mainstays that are missing from this one, yep. because it's a different era, and... It's a different music tone as a result, which is much more cool and collected in a way. Yeah, it's a lot more jazz and hip-hop influenced, which I think fits the times. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's essentially chill beats to punch someone to. <laughs> Second time we got to make that joke work. And it still is very good. Yep. The joke um, not to toot my giving. own heart. Yeah, uh... uh... Uh, in a way, it's kind of informed by the fighting games that exists between Street Fighter 2's original release and this point, and kind of acknowledges its uh, the evolution, the development, the popularity, and for this track, the universe around it. Uh, so it's self-referential in a lot of ways. It Essentially, while you're on the character select screen, uh, talks about uh, Street Fighter 3 and the ones before, and what kind of things happens around the CRT or in an arcade or wherever you're fighting, and features not only the climactic fights themselves, but also the long training sessions, the friendly rivalry spent during all-nighters, the encounters across arcade cabinets, and indeed those that aren't in use and just stay on the character select screen between two demos. It's a celebration of fighting games in my way. Okay. Um, I wasn't able to get that, uh, opinion necessarily from it. Then again, I mean, what do I know? I didn't play this one. Um... I know the song itself is just playing cool. It's this, like, New York jazz rap kind of sound, like this mid-2000s New York jazz rap. It was very similar to, um... And it took me a while to figure this out because I forgot their name, unfortunately. A, uh, a hip-hop band called The Roots. Uh, and I'd like to thank Eddie for helping me, like, suss that one out. And I would like to thank Wikipedia for having a list of artists in that, in that genre. Right? Um... Meanwhile, I can tell you it's from it's sung by a Canadian rapper named Infinite and produced by composer Hideki Okugawa. Okay. 
Uh Yeah, I I I'm digging this one. This one's a jam. Like I'm not the biggest yeah. hip hop fan, but this episode in particular has got me thinking about hip hop more than it usually more than usual. <laughs> and uh yeah, this one this one works. It's kind of weird for a character select screen though. Like apparently this is character select music you pick. That is character select music. And the lyrics make that very clear. I didn't listen to it closely enough to hear the lyrics, unfortunately, so I, I don't really have much of a comment about that. I mean, you have times um, lyrics in the main chorus that are like, select and make your first pick, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, choose and pick the best one, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. They name drop the game itself. Pick your character, no one to represent your life with stomping anybody, so make the choice right. And I rarely comment on, on the lyrics uh, when I pick a song that has one, because I'm the lyrics guy. But when I do, uh, that's because they matter a lot, and that's the case. That's where the whole self-referential aspects come into play a lot. Um... Yeah, overall, I just think that it's cute in this meta way that uh, really tells a story of a genre that uh, took its time to mature and look upon itself. And ask once again, kind of like what I was talking about on the Dragon Ball theme, uh, what else can we do in this genre? Yeah. There's only so many ways you can punch someone in the face. There's an infinite number of ways you can punch someone in the face. It's, I think the persisting, you know, persisting uh, strength of the genre can show. You're not wrong. Turns out, a sword is just a punch with some extra bits. Oh boy, I know someone who would get very angry at that generalization about swords. Well, in fighting games, I think that's pretty true, but in, in other contexts, probably not so much. With the possible exception of Bushido Blade. Yes, with the possible exception of Bushido Blade. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hadouken is just a punch at long range. Also accurate. True. And then you have the weirdos like Dalsim and Kasubi who could just teleport, and that gets really <laughs> annoying really fast. Or literally punch at long range, for that matter. Yep. Uh, speaking about uh, weirdo cast, shall we move on to Killer Instinct? Sure. Oh, this brought back memories. Eddie, take it away. Yeah, for, for the folks in, in the audience with a bit of a, a sense of deja vu, this time we're talking about the Super Nintendo Killer Instinct, uh, in particular the title theme, which uh, I believe is uh, a version that is completely unique to the Super Nintendo version. Uh, I think the arcade version was very different. I believe it was more of a dance track. Uh, I have an anecdote uh, for the arcade version, by the way. Go on. So the arcade owner has to set up the volume for the arcade. Uh, so far, so good. 
So what the developers did is that they did most of the uh, soundtrack and sound effects so that it makes sense to put it at about half the volume of the cabinet. Except they made it so deliberately so that if you did that, the higher the combo count, which is something that the arcade owner just pushing a couple of buttons to test wouldn't notice, would be way louder than the rest, so that when people actually play and start getting good, the this arcade blares out way louder than any others, so that it attracts people's attention in. That explains so much about the ultra combo sound. Exactly! <laughs> That's why it's a thing! <laughs> Oh, and once again, we find ourselves accidentally stumbling upon the power of mixing. Yeah. Mixing is important, yo. It is. It is. It's why guys like me get paid to do it. Because you do it right, and it will make or break just about anything. And it's why you're the one editing the podcast, not me or Rana. Admittedly, I'm not the most, like, thorough when it comes to podcast editing, but yes. Um, at, an, at any rate, the Killer Instinct track? Man, this one's good. So, uh, yeah, this the, is more of a tasting... traditional, like, what you think of. It's got, like, this just industrial hard vibe that's just really cool. Yeah, I, I think the arcade is a dance track, as I said, but uh, the, the Super Nintendo version is it's pretty much, like, the the themes from the industry stages from Donkey Kong Country 3 but turn up to 11 it is the same composer after all Robin Bingland and it's really really good it even uses some of the same uh, instrumentation some of the same samples uh, especially for the guitar it's the same sound and it's it's awesome um, in, in the playlist also is a, a cover because apparently for someone who usually doesn't bring uh, arrangements, I am the arrangements guy today. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have a cover, uh, we have a cover on the playlist from a guy. Uh, sadly, he doesn't make videos anymore. From from what I understand, he's now a DJ, a okay. professional DJ. But uh, on on YouTube, he you, used to go by Leonard Alsing. He goes by uh, Anton Norling now. And he made... The already very sort of industrial metal-ish uh, opening track to uh, Killer Instinct, even more metal. Yeah, I I saw that remix and I'm like, that is cool. I will say I did not like his video intro and I thought that was part of the track. I know that's not really related to it, but we did have a moment like that last week where we talked about, um, or maybe not last week, uh, where we talked about in the overworld theme, uh, Skygate had that, like, minute-long other song st staple to it. Um, yeah, I, I was the one confused that time. Yeah, I should have been more clear on that one, and I apologize. So I'm being clear here. The thing that I don't like is actually his video intro, but once he got into the actual song, it was like, all right, this is, this is pretty cool. It's a very good encounter of, like, this... Uh... This industrial sound, that mechanical rhythm, you could say. Uh... And... Um... Also, the main line that's, I want to say, aggressively 90s. 
It is aggressively it's not a 90s. First statement. It is aggressively yes, you're not 90s. wrong. Dude, glad we're on the same page. Um. Yeah, I, I think it, it really sets up the mood for the game, which is a very extreme kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for a fighting game, I think it's probably the the f- most fast-paced game uh, fighting game from the West, at least. I know there are some absurd fighting games from Japan. It has a skeleton and a dinosaur in its cast. Yep. And a robot. And a werewolf. Yeah. It's basically Western Darkstalkers. Basically, but managed to have more of an enduring presence than Darkstalkers outside of crossover games. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone just knows Morrigan from Marvel vs. Capcom now and not, like, her own series, and that makes me really sad. Pretty much. Yeah, especially since uh, for a lot of iterations they just used a sprite that was half a generation outdated. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, it basically is Western Darkstalkers, just way more combo-oriented. I used to be able to pull off Cinder's ultimate combo. Like, that's just the infinite. Oh, yeah. Cinder main too? I mean, insofar as I mained anybody in that game, I didn't rent it nearly yeah. as much as Fatal Fury 2, but yeah. I rented it a bunch. I never learned how to play it properly. Uh, <laughs> I have no main. I just suck. What Developing and learning and, and going from button mashing to actually doing things you want to do is such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've never managed that... to pull that one off in a fighting game. Uh, I can do a show where you can inconsistently, and that's about as good as I've gotten. I'm, I'm... I can show you. The one time <laughs> I've, I've managed to learn how to play a character was with uh, Chips Enough in um Gear X2X Encore. That's he the was only too fast one. for me, but in Strive he just feels right. And now I'm I am intrigued to try Strive. Well it looks like this episode is decidedly uh, uh an excuse for me to try to corrupt you and hopefully some people in the audience. If we get people into games or into music, then I think we've done our job. I am in agreement. So, with that vein in mind... With that vein in mind? So with that idea in mind of getting people into something, I want to talk real quick about a game that's very near and dear to my heart that maybe five people played. Um, and this is technically an RPG, but this does fit for this episode, and I will explain why as we go. A game Before of... you jump on your seat, it's not Air Guys. No, no, it's not Air Guys. It's not Air Guys. <laughs> I don't like that game. That game is bad. Um, yes. No, uh, this is a Sega Saturn game called Dark Savior. Can not confirm... Dark Stalkers, Dark Savior. Correct. I can confirm I am not one of those five people who played it. Shocking. I'm I'm so I... surprised that you have not played an, an extremely obscure Sega Saturn video game. I never even touched a Saturn in my life. So I'm not even people. sure I'm not even sure the Saturn even came to Brazil. Would make sense. 
Um, Dark- so set us on it. Okay, so Dark Savior is this really wild. I guess for the most part, it plays more like almost a Zelda game. It's an isometric exploration and dungeon and kind of maybe not Zelda like. I don't know what I'm talking about. Basically, it's some combination of adventure game, a 3D platformer, and a battle system that is a straight-up fighting game. With a character select system, since you play as essentially a shapeshifter, a, um, actual special moves, and a finisher. So, this actually counts. You When you get into a battle, it's a fighting game. Yeah, like, the battle screen and the way it was presented kind of reminded me of, uh, the... Jewels from Suikoden 2, except of course the gameplay is different. But the perspective and the presentation was pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and this game is actually like on the back of my mind, it's like a bucket list thing. I'll never be able to pull this off, but I might. And that is, I want to raise money, buy the rights to this game, build a team, and remake it. Wow. And this is like the only game basically in history that I would say that about. That much, uh, that's... Yeah. Um, it was... That's love. It really is. Uh, and it's got a lot of things that went for it. Uh, in for weird... the record, we, we are recording this the day before Valentine's. <laughs> so that's also in team. Right? Um... Yeah, I guess that just proves that love is violence is kind of the theme of this episode. <laughs> well, we have our title. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so Dark Savior is a game about parallel timelines, and it all starts with this opening level, the ship, and how fast you complete the ship, it, it results in which scenario you're playing. And these scenarios differ wildly. Oh, that's sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh... <laughs> one of the scenarios is if you actually lose during the boss fight after you've... The boss fight of the ship, after you've cleared the game once, you actually go into a tournament-style scenario where it's just the fighting system. It's just battling. And you fight all sorts of fights and bosses from the uh, regular game mode. Uh, That just sounds like a clever design decision. I'm sorry? That just sounds like a very clever design decision. It's really cool. Um, This game, as I said, is really kind of near and dear to my heart. And the battle theme is not my favorite, but it still kind of hits a lot of the buttons that this... That we've been talking about today. It's still got the industrial vibe. It's still got the high energy. It's still it like... It does carry a lot of that adventure feel, too. It does. It does. I will say I've died and a I lot think... more to the platforming than the fighting, but... <laughs> and I think uh, it's very interesting because fighting games are inherently very zoomed in. So while they are their own genre, I can definitely see arguments for them to be... Parts of other games. Yeah. And it's kind of why Sh- how Shenmue was born, in fact. It was essentially a kind of open-world version of a Vitra Fighter game made on the same engine. 
Ah, it was, but I found the battle system of that game a lot, I mean, what little I played of Shenmue 1, a lot more similar to a beat-em-up, like, final fight than it was a straight one-on-one fighter, like Virtua Fighter. I mean, there is still a link between the two. True, absolutely. I mean, the fact that Final Fight started off as a Street Fighter spinoff before it became an actual Street Fighter spinoff later on. And Never mind, I'm not talking about Capcom timelines right now. That's more <laughs> timelines than what Dark Savior has. Dark Savior just has five. That's already a lot. That's already a lot, but that's literally the point of the game. Um... And I, I, I guess I'm not really talking about it because the music is special, although the soundtrack is very, very good, though the synth pads used in the game are not. I, I will say yes. that this one has more of the composition, but just the arrangement just doesn't work. But because no it's one is... It's kind of funny. Honestly, it's kind of funny how this track sounds more dated than the Super Nintendo tracks from before. It does. It really does. So do a lot of the dungeon themes. Like, unfortunately, that is one downside, is that this game is almost instantly dated amongst itself, which is one of the reasons why I would really love to remake this one day. Yeah, um, I think so. Because I would love to introduce I was gonna this game. I was going to say, the, the track that you, you shared uh, actually made me think of Lufia. The Super Nintendo RPG. Interesting. For some reason. Hmm. This is, I, I think it might be the synth pads. Maybe the synth pads. What I'm thinking about now, and that's not directly related to the music, but as far as uh, top-down, uh, I think it's top-down, uh, action RPGs with an unorthodox combat system that is basically unheard of, uh, I feel like there's some kinship between Dark Savior and Sigma Star Saga, which is similar, except instead of fighting game sequence, it's shoot them up sequence, where you're essentially teleported uh, to a ship and you have to survive 30 seconds as part of your random battles. It's on the GBA. Okay, okay, interesting. No. I feel like now that can either be really cool or really annoying. I, I don't know which yet. I know, I know, um, um... I don't know either, and I played the game. Yeah. I know Undertale now just annoyed me. A bullet hell is your battle system. That just bothered the heck out of me. I did not enjoy that very much at all. Now you're just making me think of the GBA and Nintendo DS Yu-Gi-Oh! games, which were basically RPGs, but your random encounters and bosses were uh, card game battles, or duos, as the franchise calls it. <laughs> Alright. Well, as, as long as no motorcycles are involved. How dare you? I know the meme, <laughs> but still, how dare you? Yes. No motorcycles. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, a biker. I, think... I ride a motorcycle, so... You know. Just... I, I think I am the only one in this podcast allowed to say no motorcycles because of all the guys that go past my window that Galen has to edit out. Oh. Yeah, okay, you you have more of an excuse than me. I yeah. will grant you that. Yeah, you, you yes, that is accurate. Um... <laughs> this one is staying in the final mix. It is, that's correct. I don't know, I, I, way, I would love it if tangent. someone else would play Dark Savior. Even just one person go, hmm, what they're talking about sounds interesting. I don't know if the soundtrack is a way to sell it on you guys because the synth pads are really dated and the arrangements are not very good. 
I'll be honest, that person may very well be me. I I hope so. I think Bizhawk actually has good Sega Saturn emulation now. Like, I know that was, like, impossible for the longest time. And beyond that, uh, I just... I'm getting jittery because there's a lot of games that are about to come out but aren't out yet. So right. I've been kind of looking for something to start, but that won't take, like months yeah this one is definitely an unsung classic and it is a shorter experience if you're good at the game and if you're good at fighters um you're gonna die more to platforming and falling off the edge of stuff than you are to fighting but i think there's something really worthwhile about this game and i think there's something that i would love to 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 introduce other players to and i know that's kind of not the point of this show i know i'm not really supposed to talk about the game as opposed to the soundtrack well the soundtrack is very neat it is very dated I would love to hear some arrangements, but I'm not talented enough of an arranger, and no one's ever done a MIDI of this, so I'd have to do it, like, all from scratch, and I'm looking at my piano like, oh, that's gonna be fun. Oh, I know what other... Uh, uh, Sega action RPG it's making me kind of think of. Uh-oh. Because of the platform elements, and that's Landstalker. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's this is definitely like in the same vicinity as Landstalker. And I played Time Stalkers, I think it was, on the uh on the Dreamcast, and that was yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um so yeah, and I don't I know. I like Landstalker, so that's a good sign. Yeah, I don't know. And what's funny is that this isn't even the weirdest song we're going to talk about today, or the weirdest game we're going to talk about. No, it's probably the weirdest game we're going to talk about today. Definitely not the weirdest song. Take it away. Oh, man, this one just threw me off when I heard it. (laughs) And yet, when you heard it, you immediately went, that one is a runner pick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) You all had very you picks. I kind of didn't. I mean, fighting games are very good for personal expression uh, in their gameplay, in the way the characters are used and which character you pick. And indeed, in apparently the music you pick to talk about on our music podcast. And this one is called Yodeling in Meadow Hill, and it's exactly what it says. It's a Tekken 6 track that has yodeling. I will definitely I give this one. Say- yeah. I was about to say, for those in the in the audience who are wondering what the hell we're talking about when we say this is a very random pick, just the title, Yodeling Metal Hill. Like, if you guys don't think of Rana instantly as you hear those words, you haven't listened, haven't been listening to us for long enough. I think this one wins the award for the weirdest track we're going to cover today. Okay, pause. Pause. Yeah. Just wanted to mention I'm a genius, I checked Climax Entertainment, which made Dark Savior, also made Do- Landstalker. Aha! There we go. I don't think I want to pause that. I think I want that in here. I think I didn't know okay. that, and I think that needs to be said. All right. Anyway, back to yodeling. Yes, back to Yodala, hoo Yodala, hee Yodala, hoo hee. Honestly, first of all, if you are fighting online on this stage with this music, can you really be mad at your opponent? Even if you're getting completely dumpstered. 
I don't know. I think I'd I... be mad. I think I'd be mad at the music because it can't sound like it's just making fun of you at times. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's making fun of something. I don't know what though. Ah, uh... kind of of itself, honestly, because fighting games can be silly. I mentioned that when I was talking about a track that was named Soy Sauce for Geese. Right. And that's kind of in the same line. Well, fighting games sometimes take themselves very seriously, and it can at these times end with some disputable plot that have some very straight-faced, cool, edgy characters disregarding completely how funny space lasers powered by fighting energy are. Right. Or, in the case of Tekken, pandas flashing kung fu moves on sentient wooden mannequins. Yodeling Meadow Hill, to me, is a bad aspect of fighting games represented. Yeah, uh, this one just makes me smile in the dumbest way. Like, I, I, I heard this one and I'm just like, okay. I will say, as vocal tracks in Tekken go, it's definitely better than anything Keiichi Okabe's produced, which is a weird thing to say, considering Keiichi Okabe's yeah. one of my favorite composers of all time, but, um, Tekken's a weird fit for the guy. Just gonna be honest there. Yes. Um, this song is a weird fit for anything, and that's kind of what makes it so special, because no part of this should yeah, work, exactly. but it totally does. Yeah. And we've covered a lot of character themes before, and that is not a character theme as much as a stage theme. It's there because of the place we are in this lush mountain scene, where instead of being surrounded by electrified barbed wire or people shouting, kill each other, yeah, you're surrounded by sheep, and you can't even like, get knocked back into them, in, at which point they bounce off with some of the worst physic, physics there are. It's Hon great. Honestly, they just pin horizontally a little bit further. It's amazing. Everything about this sounds Hon wonderful. Honestly, yeah. I'm just imagining a fight scene, uh, a fight uh, a battle in, in this fighting game where you're just punching a guy and you throw them against the guy from the Ricoliads. <laughs> exactly. Ricola! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that image. The Swiss Alps are a dangerous place indeed. My, uh, my dream for this show is to get big enough that that inspires someone to do a fan art gif of it and sends it to us. <laughs> That's a fair dream. I share in it. I uh, bask okay. in it. Remember the first episode of the year where we wanted our podcast to go? Cancel all of that. We now have one objective. <laughs> yup. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Yeah, no, it, it's hard for me to really say anything about this song because it is just so wacky and weird and very Ranikel. Very Ranikel track. And yet, yeah, I the just, pace when of listen, it, when listen the to it, speed I just, of it, yeah. We're just talking one above the other. <laughs> Wanna go first? No, go ahead. I, I was just going to add to, to Galen's comment that when I first listened to it, I was just like mindlessly checking the, the playlist. I didn't even check the title first. I just checked what <laughs> game it was from. And when it, it came to this, this song, I just I had to bring my, my hand to my, uh, to my head and just start... I started just nodding and, and, and laughing and going, yep, yeah, that, that's... yeah. No, that, <laughs> that tracks, that tracks. Yep. 
And yet, the pace of the music, the speed at which it goes, still is kind of in line with a fighting game. Yeah. It's, it's light and merry and kind of silly, but it's still fast and with a strong beat and goes... And that's pace to punch someone to, at least in Tekken, because different games have different paces. Yep. It wouldn't work in a Guilty Gear, but yep. it certainly works there. I just have an objection on the kinda silly. Oh yeah, there's nothing kind about it. This is just straight up silly. Granted. None of that's a complaint. None of this is bad. This is of actually course. a really cool song. It's just... Yeah. It's just yeah. funny. Just because you're doing silly doesn't mean you can just be lazy about it. Yeah, and there's nothing lazy about this. This is actually a really textured, layered song. It's just, you know, yodeling. Exactly. It's yodeling and in I a fighting game. That. Yeah. Clearly yeah. the composer had a lot of fun making this, but they didn't, they didn't half-ass it either. They went for it, and it shows. Exactly. I and respect it. I think it's worth pointing out that the, the channel uh, that we're taking the track from for our playlist just has uh, on the description track 19 out of 95 of the soundtrack, blah, blah. Enjoy the theme. Just enjoy it. <laughs> Have fun. I do enjoy it. You're, you're in and for I'm, a treat. And I'm just so glad that uh, in Smash, in taking on the history of the Tekken soundtrack as they added uh, Kazuha Mishima to the Smash roster, they picked uh, this track amongst others. Oh, this track Dragon. actually made it to Smash? I didn't know that. The this track actually made it to Smash. And I said it wouldn't work in Guilty Gear or something like that. It wouldn't work on Killer Instinct. It wouldn't work in Street Fighter. It would work in Smash. And it works in Smash because it's there. Yeah. Pretty no, much anything I... works in Smash yeah. unless it's too serious. Well, exactly. Which Even actually brings up a point that I have to make about a completely different song. We may as well transition to it now. There's a song in Smash point. that works better in Smash than it does in its home game. Um, Bold statement. So another Don't crossover you. character in Smash is Shulk from Xenoblade 1. And... Shulk is voiced by future Lollafell Adam Howden. <laughs> um, Th that's a descriptor a true one though uh, yeah but the thing about the thing about this is it has a few different battle themes uh, it's regular battle theme on one of its worlds is actually another Shimamura track we are not talking about that one we are talking about the other world battle theme mechanical rhythm when you fight in Mechanis and when I first brought this up I'm going to just do a little inside baseball here, describe how this happened. I'm like, I'm not really great on fighting games when we were talking about this, though. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually totally into this topic. Um, so I might cheat and do something from Smash, like mechanical rhythm or something. Dot, 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 hamster wheel turning. Wait, no, I actually have something important to say about this. This is no longer a meme or a joke. I'm actually, like, talking about this for real. So in Xenoblade, for one thing... This song has a really long intro. Um, yes. So a lot of times you're going to end the battle without really getting out of that intro, so you're not really going to hear or experience it. Additionally, um, this song... Sorry, additionally, in Xenoblade... Um, 
one of the things that it does is that your battle music can actually be overridden by another battle theme. So the truth is, you're not actually going to get to hear this whole song and enjoy it for much of Xenoblade, because either the battle's going to end too quick, and thus reset to whatever area music you're in, or it's going to uh, be overwritten by a completely different song. This doesn't have... Also, the characters shout over it. Yeah, the characters do shout over it, but you're dealing with voice clips and whatnot in Smash as well, so that's not really a factor I can... That's not really a factor I can include. More sound effects than Smash. They don't talk nearly as much as... uh... Uh, did you see, Chala? Did you see what I do at the end of a two-second fight? Fair. Fair. Um, but no, this song actually works better in Smash because it, gives, it gets a chance to breathe. Because the music doesn't get overwritten, and because battles do tend to last a while, even if individual bouts don't necessarily because of the stock system. Um, so this is a case where we're really kind of looking at, uh, I, I guess... Having a long intro in a battle music in an RPG is actually kind of a bad thing for it, but when you actually take this extremely metal song, like, this might be the most metal song in the entire, like, in terms of, like, it's extremely fast, it's heavy, the guitars do not mess around, like, it's up there with Guilty Gear in terms of just sheer hardcore value. Yeah. Which is a weird choice for an RPG anyway, but it actually works way better in Smash. It works better in a fighting game. I actually like how it gets a chance to breathe in the fighting game. I like the fact that it you get to actually experience it. I, I think this is a bad fit for Xenoblade 1 that really got kind of turned around and made right in, in Smash, in Crossing Over. Yeah, because the hook is pretty alright, but the music doesn't really shine uh, before... We go a bit further, and the melody really starts kicking in. Yeah. And interacting with the guitar line as hard as it goes. Yeah. Um, Honestly, as someone who hasn't played Xenoblade, I even have a, a hard time picturing this song in an RPG. It really feels like it was made to, uh, to work for a fighting game. Yeah. Which is why, in the end, I decided to go for it, because I figured this discussion is actually, like, needed. There's a, there's, context is key. And yes, I don't feel like and its original context the... really gives the song enough credit. And for the record, they did that mistake again in future games. I I have the... not yet played Xenoblade Two. Please, someone spend channel points. I'm to talking fix that. about X. Oh, I'm talking about. Well, X. I haven't played that one either, but that's because I don't have a Wii U, because so that was actually harder th- for me to play. This one is a wor- this one is a worst of thunder because as hard as the track eventually goes. At least I think. I understand that a lot of people actually don't like the soundtrack, but that's over the point. The main scene is that the hook is kind of toned down and slow, and it takes a while to get going. But by that time, most of the time, you have finished the battle already, so all you hear is the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, and you don't get to the real part. Yeah, I, I'm starting to come to the impression that this is maybe a problem that Xenoblade has, and it kind of makes me a little sad, but I'm at least glad Mechanical Rhythm gets a chance to shine in this other game, so very rarely am I this thankful for crossovers, but it got a chance to go, and it works. I would say 
Xenoblade 2 is the best at it, by far. The standard battle themes start fast and uh, keep a steady pace because of that. Hell yeah. They do get fancier, but mostly for the boss themes. Which is fine, it's a boss, it lasts more than two hits. At least it should. That should be. Like, if a boss lasted less than two hits, then you're playing Pokemon, I guess. <laughs> Even as a Pokemon fan, I cannot disagree with that statement. Well, I'm... for the record, Pokémon into consideration for one of the tracks, but at the end of the day, cuts had to be made. We might Fair? get back to it because that track is pretty good. Fair but that's enough. For future episode. And uh, let's get back into a little more traditional land. Rana, go ahead and wrap us up, I think, with at least our main list. Yeah, because uh, specific games are special for different peoples, and as far as fighting games went, I couldn't go a full episode of fighting games without mentioning the series that is closest to my heart. Even though, to this day, even the latest iteration has terrible netcode because Bandai Namco. <laughs> I am talking about the Soul series, which is Soul Blade or Soul Edge, eventually moving into Soul Calibur. It was Soul Edge in the original, but then they faced problems with a notoriously litigious uh, copyright troll that forced them to change it in some regions to Soul Blade, and then to change the whole series name. So that's how that happened. I was wondering why, like, Soul Calibur, the sequel, was the thing that started the numbering infrastructure of that. Yeah, no, you, you're not going to see a lot of series with Edge in the title because of uh, those people. Uh, in but how case, the hell is Cross uh, Edge allowed to happen? Never mind. I don't want to know. Go on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have uh, again a situation with mostly character themes, and in this case, kind of a boss and kind of not. That's a Bravely Folk song, the theme from Cervantes in uh, the original game, so Soul Blade or Soul Edge. And uh, it's, it kind of carries this epic breath of fresh air uh, to the mix. It's not high action, it's not high speed, but given that Soul Blade has a bit of a slower pace, yeah. where you've mentioned rock, paper, scissors, that series is a lot about that. Uh, essentially has something that is both adventurous yet heavy. Uh, and it's not only the adventure, but for your character, because Cervantes is quasi the boss, the destination. It's the end of your world too, and now you're fighting that dread pirate uh, and getting a duel against him, but more against the former him, because uh, he is controlled uh, by Soul Edge. Right. Uh, the, the weapon. Which is why after you beat him, he turns into a giant angry flame man in, an, in a chaos dimension. 
I but remember that giant angry where... flame man. But that's not where folks on plays. I hate it when I beat, beat people up and they become giant flaming men. Says yeah, the guy who played Killer problem. Instinct where Cinder's a character. Yeah, you just have to be the giant flame man from the start. Easy. Fair. Uh, but yes, it's uh, in a lot of ways uh, a song about not what the character is at this point, but his legend and the veneer of what the character looks like. This adventurous dread pirate that's sailing on the high seas and plundering the souls and doing all of that romantic stuff. Except instead of being only about his glory, it's also kind of about you because of the end of the dis and the destination that uh, is this point of uh, the game and the story. And the truth about who gets the praise heaped by the song kind of is decided by the victors, by the fight itself. The fight is part of that story. Okay. Um, so as the song itself goes, it's, I don't want to say perfunctory, because I think that's really dismissive of it, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out a term for it. It's definitely a lot more slow paced, but as you said, it's, you know, soul game, which is more slow paced than a lot of other fighters. It's got almost a March vibe to it. A yes. Bit. Um, the drums at the start in particular. Yeah. But this guy's, like, pirate-themed, essentially. Or, at yeah. the very least, swashbuckler-themed. And at, a march feels like a weird fit for that, to be perfectly honest. He is Spanish, so at least there's a navy aspect to it that kind of translates. That's fair. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting, the, the mishmash of cultures in this track. Uh, if you take into consideration the character's identity as well. Because he's Spanish. Uh, he's called Cervantes, uh, as in Miguel Cervantes de Cervantes. De Leon. Yeah, De Leon. And then you have the, the track with bagpipes, uh, which incidentally, after the yodeling track, this one I went, yep, that's, that's Ren again. Yep, actually, um, <laughs> hang on. Bagpipes, I believe, actually originated in Spain before migrating to Britain. I believe there is a part of Spain in which bagpipes are actually, like... I don't know which direction they actually originated, but there is at least one section of Spain where bagpipes are gigantic, so... I... I, I, I that's actually northern, very fitting. I, mean, I honestly northern don't Spain, know about that. Yeah, I know not, if northern the, Spain has a lot of uh, Celtic influence because the Celts did uh, settle there for a while. Um... The Cantigas de Santa Maria, written in Galician Portuguese and compiled in Castile in the mid-13th century, depicts several types of bagpipes. So one of the earlier depictions is from the Iberian Peninsula, so... Haha, you thought it was a fighting game episode, but no, it was actually bagpipe history time! <laughs> I, I concede my point to Galen, graciously. Alright. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, bagpipes are, yes, they're obviously, like, associated with Scotland now, but, yeah. Yeah. I, it's not inappropriate for a Spanish captain from, like, the 
olden times to have bagpipes in this theme. I, I don't think that's inappropriate considering their history. It is an interesting, uh, I, uh, an interesting thought on whether they did it on purpose, knowing the history of the instrument, or if it was just a happy uh, coincidence. Yeah, and I'm curious about that too. Yeah. Wow, that actually is a good point. Um, because this guy does not look Scottish at all. Like, if you put a oh, picture, he isn't. Yeah. So I, I, I would be hard pressed to assume that someone accidentally did that. Like, let's just throw bagpipes uh -oh. in this track for no reason, despite it being Spanish, but then being Spanish is correct. Uh, I, I feel like this can't be an accident. If it is, it's I, a bizarre I do one. Believe, I do believe his daughter resides in London, however. Ivy? I, I think that's right, yeah. but then again, Ivy is like... That's her. She's like a vampire or something. She, uh, she is uh, influenced by the... by Soul Edge, which runs her... Uh, cursed, uh, a curse, essentially. Which is, for instance, why she keeps being celibate. Because she doesn't want to pass it on to others. And why she studies alchemy. She sounds like an Alucard type. Pretty much. Uh, isn't she except, a character where they, can't, in... they flat out can't decide whether she's a good guy or a bad guy, though? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's mostly a good guy that looks like a bad guy. Yeah, but she has some real bad guy moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that I know that should say a lot about how, like, I actually do pay attention to fighting games on some level. Yeah, it's... You seem to pay more attention to fighting games than I do. And you tried to paint me as the guy who didn't know anything. Harumph. <laughs> We can settle that one when we do another RTS episode then. <laughs> oh, you can settle that one by fighting for it. I think it's a bit hard to, to fight Galen uh, from Brazil unless he wants to fly over here from LA. No, I'm talking about in fighting games. This is the episode's thing, no, he'll, remember? He, he'll beat me. I suck at fighting games. Yeah, and I, I don't. Like, That's a you problem. And plus, we I have to like deal with them, paying that code. I, I think your chances are pretty good. Depends on which server we land on. Well, if you're not playing fighting games, then what are you playing now? Music Arcade, now playing! Nice segue. And you said you couldn't do hype. I can't do extended hype. Like, you're making me read like six hype lines. I'm not that good. Yes. Okay, I guess I'll start it off. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, and yes, I know it's supposed to be Arceus, but... I'm calling it Arceus because that leaves me with the joke of the arse phone, and that's just too funny to pass up. I'm calling it Arceus because it's grammatically correct. That too. I'm calling it Arceus because I'm a... I'm, I'm, I'm not a good person. <laughs> um, so this... You can't keep doing things like that and not expecting to be fought in some way. Uh, so Pokemon Arceus' soundtrack is okay. Like, nothing really stands out, except there was one moment that kind of, kind of, like, gave me a bit of a thumbs-down moment. So, in this game, there's actual, like, action sequence bosses, which is, at first I was like, why is this in this video game? And now I'm like, after the second one, I'm like, oh wait, this is actually really cool and interesting, and I like it. 
Um, they're not very challenging for anyone who's done anything harder, like raiding Savage. Um, spoiler, I'm going to talk about that later, too. But it's an interesting take. It's something you wouldn't expect in a Pokemon game. But here's the thing. So during the action sequence, one kind of music plays. And at points, said, you know, said bosses will actually like, hey, they're pausing now. Go and throw your own Pokemon at it and fight it. And the music changes to, I assume, a remix from a prior game because it just sounds real weak by comparison. And I'm just like, I don't like this track nearly as much. Can I go back to the action boss theme? That was much better. Um, Although slowing down the pace would make sense since it goes from action to turn by turn. Yeah, I just I just don't like the composition of the turn by turn song. Mm -hmm. And it almost sounds almost more hype than the actions. I don't know. I, I, I have a real love hate I with this particular song. I haven't heard the track, so I, I'm wondering if it maybe isn't the other way around. The, the more hype one is an older track, and the, the one that you dislike is a newer one, because the first few Pokemon games actually had some pretty fast-paced uh, battle themes for turn-based RPGs. Um, I can say that I'm fairly certain that the battle theme is a remix, because I feel like I've heard it before. I, I think it's like from black and white or something or whichever one was the Heesway region i don't know i'm not a pokemon guy but that's fair damon and Poe. i i feel like it's a remix from that game that's fair it is pretty much uh wait you think it'd be diamond I, and pearl because think... diamond and pearl clans are in this i think that's the one i meant question yeah, mark yeah uh yeah rana said it's diamond and pearl. also also, it's weird, uh, even the main battle theme, because it's very uh, ancient Japan, ninja stuff and all that, and then the battle theme for random Pokemon battle is this subdued piano-driven piece. Yeah. Which is not what you'd expect, necessarily. A lot of this game is not what you'd expect, and I think that's good for it, because I, I haven't really gotten much out of prior Pokemon games, but I'm enjoying this one. Like, my Good. my biggest complaints are, like, organization is awful, and, um, man, aggro doesn't work in this game. Like, aggro sucks. <laughs> Alright, I swore I wasn't gonna do this, but I've gotta talk about this. Um, in this is one case, the open world demons on, well, monsters on field, I just call them demons, so you can see what I'm about to compare it to. Yes. Um, I have to compare this to SMT5, which I recently finished playing. In Shin Megami Tensei 5, when an enemy is, like, super outclassed, it will just try to not fight you. It'll be just like, ah, uh, that guy is out of my league. I'm just going to go over here now, and it'll turn and leave. Whereas in Arceus, I'm still stuck fighting a bunch of level 12 Geodudes who want to wreck my day for no reason. Like, seriously, it's annoying. Yeah, I can see cases where... Uh, this level 7 Bidoof looks at that giant, angry uh, Alpha Charizard and goes, yeah, I can take that guy. Right? Right? Like At least Zubats, ha Zubats have uh, uh, an excuse that they are blind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. Um, that's probably my biggest complaint about the game. Organization is annoying, but the aggro just bothers me. But the music is pretty okay, I guess. The only egregious thing is the, the boss thing, but for the most part, the soundtrack's fine. Next. Alright, then, if I can take the next, uh, 
to pass a lot of time, especially during that time I didn't have a stable internet, I played a lot of Stardew Valley. Some of those tracks are good. It's just chill, it's, it marks the passage of seasons, which is just the kind of uh, time progression and atmospheric progression that I love, and this track fit it down to a T when you first go from the cool and pleasant uh, uh, spring days to the first day of summer that hits you almost kind of with some notes. Uh, it just feels nice. Right on. I was gonna yeah, say heard... for for about a couple weeks straight, every time I logged on Steam, I could see on the friends list Ranakel currently in game Stardew Valley. Yeah, because I couldn't do anything else with the games that I connected online. <laughs> Turns out <sighs> that always online is a bad thing. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yep. I would not like to try to play Hitman under the conditions that uh, Rana's internet were under. Yeah, no kidding. Doing dailies in Genshin was a pain. I believe that. And you wouldn't want to play the games that I've been playing either, because both of the games I've tried this this past couple weeks have always online stuff. Hooray. Tell us more. So I'm still playing a lot of Last Epoch. It is... Uh, I won't say it's my favorite Diablo-like ARPG yet, because it's not finished, but it's on the run to becoming my favorite Diablo-like ARPG, because I just have way too much fun with, with its, its mechanics and the skills are If it's are already really cool. at that state before you've, it's finished, it's generally a good sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless They're missing... they find a way to really screw the pooch. Yeah, they, uh, there are some classes that are that still aren't very well balanced. Um, also, sometimes you get very broken characters, such as my rogue with 143% critical hit chance. Um, but uh, overall, it's, it's very nice. The, there's a couple classes where every mastery class, each class, each base class has three masteries. Uh, a couple classes have basically all three masteries very well balanced which are the Sentinel and the, uh, I believe it's Primalist. Uh, the Sentinel is, uh, can be either your regular uh, warrior, he can be a Paladin type, or he can just embrace the Void and use the powers of, essentially, the thing that's eating the world up. Uh, basically, this game's version of Lavos, because th this game takes a lot of notes from Chrono Trigger. Uh, and the primalist, uh, he looks like a berserker, but he's not really a berserker unless you uh, say a, a were bear is a berserker, then he can be. Uh, he can be a shaman. I mean, yeah, that's he, kind of where the world, world comes from. Yeah, that people fought like bears, I believe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's uh, why uh, you have bear in berserker. Yes. Yes. Etymology. Fun. I actually do like yes! etymology. I, I do enjoy me etymology too. for the record. How dare you deadpan me like that on something I'm passionate about? <laughs> oh well. 
That's how we're doing this podcast. I will fight you. I will interest you in a fighting games. I will tempt you to get good at it. And then I will fight you and crush you. Okay, I'm officially announcing the future uh, music arcade fighting game tournament. I don't know what game it's going to be in just yet. We're going to have to pick one, but I think this kind of has to happen now. I'm going to lose badly. So am I. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so that's it for the last epoch. Uh, I've been playing mostly with my, my rogue. I know it's kind of unbalanced right now, and the rogue doesn't have its third mastery, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, you said it's... 143 crit percent. I think, yeah, unbalanced is a word for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I am looking forward, however. Uh, I'm using the, um, I believe it's Blade Dancer uh, mastery class for the rogue. They have one uh, planned out called the Falconer, which seems to be about just using a falcon as your companion to hit the enemies, and you just uh, trap them in place, freeze them, stun them, and do stuff like that. I'm very interested in that that concept, because we don't really see that very often in Diablo clones. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been, been having lots of fun, and... I knew if I would uh, make that class, I would make my character Captain Falcon. <laughs> well, I'm, sh I'm sure there will be a lot of Captain Falcons after that, yeah. because it's not an, an MMO, so I don't think there's a restriction against uh, repeated names. Fair. Uh, and incidentally, the other game that I tried to play is also a, uh, an isometric ARPG, that a lot of people are having a lot of fun on Twitch. I am not. I didn't like it. It's Lost Ark. Yeah, I found I it boring. You guys have been I talking about that, that quite a bit, actually. On my Discord, I noticed. And I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't seem very good. It's got problems. Yeah, it just didn't really leave an impression on me. The It was very interested in its story from its first moments which isn't really how you hook someone mm -hmm. and the gameplay seemed to be a lot of spamming some pretty short cooldown abilities and it just felt messy I'm sure 20 hours in you start to get the pace of it once you have your character at max level and all of the skills you want and but yeah, I, I I imagine the the end game might be more more fun on the combat aspect because right now it feels like the game only has a a mana bar because the genre dictates it has to have one because I've never it seems run, to do run a lot mana. of things because of the genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it does a lot of things that are specifically uh, a part of Korean RPGs, including yes. Having way too much stuff to do at the hub city. When it's an ARPG, you're meant to be out destroying mooks on end, and yet you have a lot of stuff to do at the exactly. city. Exactly. You murder 5,000 mooks, you do a tone portal, you check out all your trash, you return immediately to the fight to kill 5,000 more mooks. That's how it goes. Are we talking about an ARPG or Dynasty Warrior 7's conquest mode? It works for both. And that is the issue, because it's an ARPG. <laughs> you shouldn't go to stay in town for too long, but you do, because the game tells you to. There's even a daily quest guy that you have to talk 
to I, I hope in the end game you don't. I hope in the end game when you actually do have to do daily quests, you can just check them out on a menu or something like in the Diablo 3 adventure mode. But uh, yeah, yeah, but you gotta stay in the hubs to be uh, able to flaunt your uh, cosmetic items that you bought from the cash shop. I, the game even has a quest, an introductory quest that uh, only serves the purpose of telling you how to do emotes that tells you to, do, to go talk to a bard and dance in front of him. Like, that's the level of the, we have a lot of things to do in town that this game goes for. And I don't yep. like that in an ARPG. Why is that? Okay. I don't know why it has this level of popularity. Maybe they just brought in the big bucks enough to generate hype itself? I don't get it. I know it's big in Korea. It, it already was a thing over there for a while. Uh, so since most of yeah, the things so, we are... So are, are, so are a lot of other very bad games. Yeah, most of the things we're complaining, most of the things we're complaining are sort of, I would imagine for Koreans is kind of just regular by now. Uh, yeah. And we aren't used to it, so we complain about it because to us it's, it, it's pretty, uh, it takes us out of the game. So that would explain why it's so big. It was already very big in a couple of countries and then it came over here. But uh, I don't get why all reviews are so positive. There is a lot of uh, production value in the game, uh, for the record. Like, okay, it, but it how's looks... the music? The music, uh, I, I can remember. Do, does it exist in your mind, or has it been completely absent? Um, let me put it this way. I didn't realize there was music in the game for most of the scenes I was in. Oh, that's not thought a great so. endorsement. Yeah, I thought so. I'm not surprised. Yeah, th there's a lot of production value on the graphics, the music. I guess instrumentation was nice because I wasn't offended, but it's not memorable. Uh, sadly. So, another episode where my, my now playing games are, this is a very good game, but the soundtrack is eh, and this is, uh, uh, well, uh, if it's for you. You know what? If you like Lost Ark, good on you. Happy you're enjoying something, even though it's bad. <laughs> Rana coming and out that's swinging. How lose, that's how we lose half our listeners. I don't think so. I, I think they'll hopefully be okay with it, but it could generate some controversy and get us more ironic listeners, and I'll take that too. I want more listeners is the short version. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I work in marketing, so bad press is good press. Well, let's go ahead and turn it around to a game that everyone um, I know except Eddie is playing, apparently. And that's FF14. Oh, um, so I've come to the conclusion... I'm the black sheep of the podcast. So I, uh, I've come to the conclusion that the raid music is actually bad. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't like it to start really, but I thought it was okay, but the more I listened to it, the more I just, it's just gotten me to the point where I'm like, this is making my raid experience worse. What can I switch it out for? S oh yeah, Dynasty Warriors. So. Sir, would you like more Gravitas with your Gravitas? <laughs> it just sounds like a dirge. It doesn't sound like a thing to pump you up for boss fights. Yes. 
Um, I mean, it is pandemonium, but still. But yeah, so for uh, for pandemonium one savage, I I picked Genius's Sanctuaries from Dynasty Warriors six. From uh, for P two savage, I went with uh, Solo the Fawn Castle theme from Dynasty Warriors eight. Uh, haven't started P three yet. We will find out. But for now, like these are working a lot better. These are actually getting me like into the boss fights again, and I'm actually like, okay, I can do this now. So. <sighs> yeah. I, I wonder if you will have to change by the time you reach the final encounter, which is a remix of this version that's very different in tone and has a lyric. Well, uh, if we're talking about P4 normal, I've heard it and it's yes. fine, I guess. I don't know how I'm going to like it on repeated playthrough for um, Savage, but I guess that's a future me problem because I haven't even started P3 yet. Uh, and I don't yeah. know what or if anything the second phase is. I assume there's a second phase, because usually the final boss of a tier has a second phase. There is. Okay. Um, but I don't know what that could mean or represent or how it sounds. Hmm. Um, the short version is, um, yeah, uh, yeah. This, this raid tier, music, not great. I don't know what Sokum is going for on this one, but uh, really hoping it doesn't carry over to the next tier. I... I kind of think he went for what you said it was. A dirge. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Pandemonium again. Yeah, but the Pandemonium theme I think of the most is the Final Fantasy IX one, which is like this organ-driven gothic piece that's right out of the Eddie playbook. That's for the third wing. I wouldn't listen to that now. You'd like it. <laughs> You'd like it. All right, that's all I had to say. Rating has gotten better now that I swapped out the music for something from Dynasty Warriors, which shouldn't work, but does. Next. And final one, uh, I also played some rhythm game. Okay. Uh, be because on Game Pass, uh, they released uh, Take on a Tetsujin, the first that I know of on PC, uh, called The Drum Master, which has a pretty interesting selection of tracks. A few originals at the start, although you can unlock some uh, by playing, not by paying for DLC, which is nice too. And uh, it's anime openings that are popular in the West, and some medleys from other uh, Banai Namco tunes, including Tales of Arise. And it's fun to play some medley, some original, a few songs daily. And sometimes if you land on, say, an anime song you don't like, but it's, uh, it's got a daily bonus, so might as well, uh, you can switch your instrument and go from drums to making rhythmical fat sounds. <laughs> and that's got to count for something. That sounds on brand from what I know about the franchise. Yeah. It's very silly, and I like it. And that is going to be it for today, folks. Remember, you can check our full episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, where you can also find the playlist with all the tracks we've talked about. Now we're off to spam some Hadoukens in the online ladder. It's called a Repukan! That was a weird name for Kamehameha's, guys. <sighs> Anyways, we'll see you guys next time. Later! <laughs>